What's up? This is Ali Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House podcast. Today I'm joined by... Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of TalkHouse Film. Yo! How are you? <laughs> Hello. Good to see you again, my friend. We have an amazing show for you listeners. The Flaming Lips, Stephen Drozd, in conversation with Adam Goldberg. I love Adam Goldberg. He's he, amazing. He does it all. He's a he's an actor. He's a director. He's a photographer. He's a musician. He has all kinds of fun on social media. You've seen him in Dates Confused, Saving Private Ryan, uh, Friends. He was like Joey's annoying roommate, the one who's <laughs> not Chandler, who's obviously not supposed to be annoying. And, uh, you know, he was in the, the first season of Fargo. Mr. Numbers. Yeah. And of course, he has a band previously called Landy, but now called the Goldberg Sisters, and they have a new record out. And who better to talk to him about this but his longtime friend and musical collaborator, Stephen Drozd of The Flaming Lips. Absolutely one of the fucking sickest musicians in the game, Nick. I have to call it what it is. Known best as a drummer because that's what he does with the band live. But in the studio, he is playing everything. Guitar, drums, bass, Keys, piano. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a boss. He does it all. So that these guys talk about a lot. Obviously, they talk about the new Goldberg Sisters record, Home, A Nice Place to Visit. Should we check out one of the tracks from that? Let's check it out. Here's The Kids Are All Wrong. They also talk about the unique nature of this record. This is an album which is accompanied by basically a book of photography. Right. We have over a dozen new photographs by Adam included in the liner notes here. And I think it's really fascinating that he's done that because one of the things they talk about is this, this thing of like having a sort of fractured identity mm. as an artist, something that, that Adam definitely has and is, he's very, very conscious of, but Stephen Droz does as well. Nick, these are polymaths. These are Renaissance men. They do it all. They do it all, and they get into a lot here, including some shots fired about a certain Mark Maron interview Adam did recently. All I'm going to say is what he did with that pineapple, that was wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Notable that there were also shots fired about Albuquerque, which I think is like where Maron comes from. Unrelated, but possibly not. Who knows? We hear all about how a 20-minute portion of Christmas on Mars pretty much tracks Stephen's whole drug addiction and recovery. That movie is wild. It's weird. And of course, how can you live now and not talk about the two main things dominating our thoughts? Trump and of course, technology and the way the internet affects our lives. They have a fascinating conversation about that as well. We hear about their childhood obsessions with Kiss and Grease. And Adam talks about why he's never watched either Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. And going back in time a little bit, we hear all about Droz's appearances on the classics 90210 and Charmed. And we get to listen to Adam talking up for Steven a bunch. Just, you know, they, they're at peace with it, though. <laughs> it works. Their relationship really... I'm going to talk over you right it's now, It's a Nick. beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Should we roll the tape? Yeah, let's, let's roll. And I think it starts with Adam trying out his radio voice. <laughs> let's do it. Hello? Uh, hello? Hey, hello, pal? Hi, is, uh, yeah, pal? Hey, pal, your voice sounds lower. I know, I just lowered it an octave just because we're on the radio. <laughs> is, this your, is this your radio voice? Yeah, I do a radio voice. It's really good. It, it sounds, uh, you sound like a pundit of some kind. 
Do I? Do I sound like a like a like a left leaning uh, MSM pundit? Or? No, I was I was thinking a really National Review kind of just cold, very <laughs> very measured. Right. Well, of course we can't say that anymore about those people, but right, those right, people. right. <laughs> yeah. How's how's your no, drunk now, today? Now, now David Frum is a is a fucking bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> like that's that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. It's uh, strange times, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel bad that I even mention anything remotely to do with the state of uh, the political world right now. Really? I mean, I, how are we going to avoid it? That's probably all we're going to talk about. Well, I thought we were going to talk about analog delays and stuff like that. <laughs> we could do that. We could do that. I think that Trump has been using an, um, um, the Pigtronics looper. That, um, yeah, through like a bit crusher. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. a gonculator He's using all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. That's good to hear your that voice. A, nice to hear your voice too. At some point though, I am going to run this through um, my lo-fi loop junkie. Um, <laughs> I'll give you some... Oh. <laughs> um, down my, I have to turn down the volume on my phone. Hold on one second. Okay, I'm also eating pretzels, which you're not supposed to do when you're recording. What's that? I mean, I can't stop eating pretzels, which is literally the stupidest thing you can do when you're in front of a microphone. That kind of you get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I did, I did um, uh, a Marin uh, podcast once where it was like an abridged one where I, Mark I think it was yeah to mm-hmm. promote some something, and uh, and he gave me fresh pineapple uh, on the way in. Um, <laughs> And we were just hanging out talking. I mean, like like before the thing, you know? Yeah. And eating fresh pineapple. And then I go in there and I got the fucking fresh pineapple and I'm eating the fresh pineapple. And then he like gives me shit about it and then edits out the part where I, something had happened where basically people were giving me shit on Twitter for eating on the mic. And I'm like, dude, blame your fucking host. He well, it cut sounds, the pineapple and fed it to me. It sounds like a setup. It sounds like something Mark Man thought about yeah, beforehand. It, yeah, he was say, trying to take me. He's been he's been trying to take me down um pretty much since I met him. And you do you go to his, you go to his garage, his house? Yeah, although he moved. So that's strike one uh, right there having to go to his house, you know. He kind of gets know, the upper hand, so. I know. Well, of course he does. It's like a safe house when you go inside that thing. <laughs> right, right. Was it in his actual garage like it is on the TV show? Yeah, but that but but on the TV show, it's like uh, it's it's kind of like he's got what like a little desk in the middle of this big room or something like that. It's just like a super cluttered office. Right, right. But uh, he, yeah, he moved. He moved to Glendale. Actually, I don't know um, what that means. Is that like in the world of Los Angeles? Is that like a that's cri- like it's like where you go to die, I guess. But the thing is, it's not. <laughs> it's actually where where Roxanne and I have been thinking about moving. So I guess, like I said, it's where you go to die. You guys are ready to go live, go live and die, live till you die. Yeah, yeah. Live till you die. Yeah, that's what I think we're gonna start doing. Um, are you Are you in the middle of doing a bunch of different things for the Goldberg Sisters record that's coming out, or is there something? I don't know else? about. It's it's like some cross between that and literally they're like installing a TV upstairs because we moved on Saturday. Um, so if, if you like hear hammering and footsteps and like guys chatting, it's because I'm in a, in, in, in the quote unquote band space in this house, which is like probably the least soundproof place in the entire, uh, venue. I've been told that if like, that happens, we'll have to repeat what we've said for, you know, just for editing purposes and stuff. Cause they can't. I think we just talk about the fact that I'm in a makeshift that I left my, you know, my, my studio garage of, of 12 years 
and now I'm in like a bar from 1935 or whenever this house was built that uh, we stuck a bunch of instruments in. I mean, you know, it's it's perfect. So you guys have moved. You moved. We moved. We did it on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I told you we sold the house, right? Yeah. The old, the old, beautiful, uh, yeah, mid mid century modern guy, yeah. whatever you'd call yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 house. You know, I lived in. Uh, I didn't really do the calculations till later, but I realized not only had I lived there longer than anywhere I had ever lived, but but twice as long as I had ever lived anywhere as a kid. So whatever my childhood home was, I think I didn't live there longer than you know one for six years, another for another six years. Um, I, didn't know, I, didn't know I, you, I didn't know you moved around so much when you were a kid. I, I don't know. I never really thought of it as moving around that much, really. But but I guess when, uh, you know, well, my parents put up, I was five. Then my mom moved out, moved into a guest, like house, was house sitting for about a year. And then my dad moved out into a condo. I stayed with my dad. Then when my mom got settled, I moved back in with her and saw my dad on weekends. And then we moved out of that house when I was 13. And then we moved out of that house when I was 16. And we moved out of that house. Uh, when I was 19, or she moved, and I moved out, you know, and, and started living my life, I guess. That's something um, we have in common. We have lots of moving in common. That's something else we have yeah, in common. Yeah, Well, this is why I think, I didn't realize this. I sort of do, did because I'm kind of, because I have like, I don't know if I ever told you, but like but like every couple of years I work with this organizer, and she kind of helps me on, um, you know, declutter and come Ooh. up with systems for, for, yeah, and for like all the photography gear and all the music gear, but but really, it's all a fancy way of saying I'm a hoarder. Um, yeah, and and so I I really didn't. I mean, I, I've always said that kind of glibly and as and in, in, in a self-deprecating way, but but as we were moving out, uh, I was like, oh no, I really am a hoarder. Um, like I documented this for two days on on actually on Instagram. I don't know. I didn't begin. It didn't start out as an episode of hoarders, but I soon realized that's exactly what I was documenting and. And, Do you watch uh, that show? Do you watch Hoarders? Well, I used to watch it all the time. It's weird. It made me so uncomfortable and unhappy, but I couldn't turn it off. Oh my God, um, it's crazy. Well, Becky yeah. is the person that keeps me from, like every two years she makes me sit down, go through stuff and throw stuff out. It's pretty crazy what I'll keep. I'm sure the same for you, so. Well, right, but I think, you know, my mom's a shrink or whatever, but it doesn't take a shrink to, to, to tell you this, but I was in the middle of, of, of my garage, studio, whatever, you know, going through all this shit. And I'm like, you know, mom, why am I this way? And, uh, but it's you know I think to try and maintain some connection to to you know your 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 past if you you know to, to something solid to something foundational when you don't feel like you've had um, maybe as much of that as you would have liked you know you've never moved from Los Angeles have you for any no real that's period not of time. that's true although but there have been periods where I was living in New York where when, when since we've known each other where actually I didn't have a place in L A um, that's true not, but short short long. periods of time yeah you know? short periods of time yeah yeah. yeah. To me, from the outside, it seemed like it was always a temporary thing until you were getting back to LA. Now you you yeah. were just in Albuquerque yeah. Albuquerque for a while, right? Oh God! Can we talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, sure. I don't want to single out a, a city and you know and shit all over it, but <laughs> I uh, but we could talk about it. I mean, you know, I was there for two and a half months. Roxanne, Bud, and I were were there for two and a half months last summer. Yeah. So I mean, first of all, it was the dead of an incredibly hot summer, right? Um, Did you do the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul kind of tour? Did you do that? No, they have a bus, I mean, an RV that literally takes you on that tour. Is that right? Is that true? Mm. Yep. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't watch more than a few episodes of Breaking Bad. We were living in, actually, in New York. Roxanne and I was doing another show in New York, and we were binging, catching up on 
on Mad Men. Like it had been on for a couple of years already or something. Yeah. And we started watching all these Mad Men and I was really put, first of all, two things were going on. I was, I was having really acute anxiety issues. Um, and by acute, of course, I don't mean adorable. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I was, you know, they were sort of apexing, you know, in this kind of terrible way during this period. But I found Mad Men kind of comforting. Whereas on the other hand, we were trying to do the same and alternately we'd watch a Mad Men episode and a Breaking Bad episode. And by the time, and this is nowhere, I think this is like the second episode, maybe the third, by the time the guy began oozing through the floor or whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. It was too, because we'd watch them at night, my nerves were all frazzled and it was stressing us to both out just so I just, I, so yeah, I'm not, I don't know anything about that culture. Well, can I, I don't know anything about Better Call Saul. When it, when it first came out, I watched the first three or three episodes, decided I couldn't watch it, didn't want to watch oh, really? it. And then I thought, yeah. also, I thought the premise was so just ludicrous, ludicrously right, right. unbelievable. Right, right. And then like five years later, I don't know why, I ended up watching a couple episodes, I was bored, and then I ended up watching every episode over the course of about a month. I just binge yeah. watched the whole thing. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, I was watching it on my on my big television in the living room. I go into my studio, watch it on my computer. When I was in the kitchen right. doing the dishes, I would watch it Netflix <laughs> on my phone, on my iPhone <laughs> while I was doing the. I was watching it constantly while I was awake yeah. for about a month. Becky was going to yeah. kill me, but so I watched it. And even though it is completely absurd, the the you know mm-hmm. the whole setup yeah. of it. I got yeah. into it, and then I got it. Got no, into people obviously culture. love it. Can I tell you something else? I never watched The Sopranos. It's enjoyable. I mean, maybe not now, but it was back then. I think. I, I watched the beginning. I mean, first of all, I was. I'm always a dick when I first start watching something. Okay, let's you know because I'm always like. Well, especially ah. if other people love it, you're like, yeah, I don't think so. I know, I know, right? Exactly. I don't even know that that happened yet. I just remember watching the pilot for the the pilot, whatever the first episode of The Sopranos. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't need to watch this because, like, I'm a, you know, I'm a Scorsese, whatever, I'm a huge Scorsese fan. I just felt, I don't know, if didn't, I just felt redundant to me somehow, you know? Um, and uh, well, if you could, if you could take one of those classic Scorsese movies and and subdivide it into fifty parts, I mean, that would be one way of looking at it. But of course, no, I'm not saying. And again, this is this is more of a commentary on my inability to sort of like let something breathe, you know. Um, but I, by the way, I, that's an um, oversimplification of that. That's just one way of saying, I guess. But yeah, it's it's way more than that. But anyway, no, I know. And I, as I began to see other episodes over time, I was like, oh, okay. But I did never gave it that shot. And by that time, it was over. It just was too fucking late. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'd catch an episode in a hotel room and I'd be like, oh, I get it. This is really engaging. But I don't know where I am in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, fuck it. You know, I'm just, it's just too much. It's like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of like some, there was, what's this movie? Um, Fuck. Years ago, I was watching, when I could still sit down and like watch a three and a half hour foreign movie. Um, Yeah, before you had a child. (laughs) This is like, this is just, just before, this is before I had like lost all attention span, period. And where I was like still passionate about things and like had like a zest for life. Um, <laughs> this is before I was dead inside, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember okay. that period. I remember. Right. You remember that period? I feel like I met you. Between no, you were, you were two- already dead inside when I met you, so it must have been before That's true. 2002, That's true. right? <laughs> yeah, it was before 2003. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I um, what the fuck is this film? It's just a famous film, and I'm going completely. Blank American, on it. Uh, French, what, what's 
I, I don't even remember. I mean, it's not even that I can't remember like the title. I'm trying to visualize myself sitting there watching. Anyway, it was one of those two DVD Criterion movies. And I was, I was watching it and I was into it and whatever, but then something happened, you know, something like bifurcated the experience where like I had to like uh, go do something that night. And mm-hmm. then that was it. And I never watched, and I, and for the next year, I was like, God, I got, I got to put that fucking second disc back in. I got, but it's like it was getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer in my recollection. And I knew I was going to have to watch the first disc again, but I was so proud of myself for having gotten through the first disc. So um, anyway, I, the point is, I never finished watching it. Um, I'm yeah. speechless on this thing. Yeah, um, yeah. If we were talking about The Sopranos, we, yeah, that that I think it was just of that time. I think if you watched it now, you would just think it was just kind of square and maybe it hasn't right. aged well. I, I don't, not that it was hip, but I guess it was kind of hip. The thing that turned me off was no, that Robbie Robertson theme gra- song. It felt groundbreaking at the time. It was groundbreaking because it was like a bit, it was, it was a movie on TV and now everything's a movie on TV. Maybe it was one of the last great kind of like TV show, TV shows where you, oh, yeah, you sat that. around the TV every Sunday night whenever it came. I remember when it first started, people would go over to Scott Booker's house, our manager. People would go to his house and gather on Sunday nights and, and watch it. it would like The only time I ever did that in my entire life- Twin Peaks? Was Twin Peaks. We did that in Austin in 1990, I remember that. Yeah, did, that's what I, yeah, exactly. Uh, I used to go over to my friend's place in, in North Hollywood every single, what was that, Thursday? Or Tuesday. I thought it was um, Saturday, but um, <laughs> I thought we'd go up. The second but. season was Saturday. I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe we went and, out every night, and I just thought it was a Saturday night. But that's probably <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably it. Um, and but the other time I did it was for uh, Melrose Place. Oh, were yeah. you on Melrose mm-hmm. Place at any point? No, I I think I auditioned for nine hundred two one zero once, but like for a guest star, but didn't get it. Oh my uh, god, uh, that show. It's so, yeah, yeah. I, I made fun of it for the first three years and then I got sucked into it. And you're, you, well, you, you were on it. We were on it. Yeah, we were on it. Um, I mean, I totally just remember, I just, for, as I was saying that, forgot, just forgot that. But that's, that was like a big deal. Wasn't that like a big deal for you guys? It was a big deal at the time. I remember a lot of like just people we knew either hated the idea so much, just couldn't believe we were going to do that, and then there were other why, people. Why that did they have you guys on it? I mean, was that was was that it was jelly, right? She don't use jelly. Here, here's here's the truth. Okay, we're pretty sure they asked like four bands before they asked us. So they asked like Smashing <laughs> right. Pumpkins, uh-huh. you know, um, whoever else would be like big right at that right. time, and we would have been right. like fourth or fifth on the list. And we said, yeah, of course, you know, because we like to do absurd, ludicrous things. And well, sure. And it actually ended up being a great, um, I hate to say feather in our cap because it's not really that, but it used to seem a bigger deal than it is now. Now it's just in the flurry of things that we've done that are just like, right, of wow, course. they were no, on Charmed one. too. You know, we, right. by Wait, the time you we were Charmed? Because we <laughs> see, I forgot, I forgot that we were on Charmed till just now. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, this actually seems sort of familiar to me, but. Oh, I knew you at the cool. time. I think I hung out with you when we were shooting that, that episode. We came to oh Los Angeles for like God. three days toward the end of 2003 and shot an episode of Charmed. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I guess that's why I do remember it. But what what, what did you guys play? What did you play on that? Do you that? realize, I think we lip synced to Do You Realize? Really? And we were playing oh. in a club and the girls are having like some argument or something. The witches Holy. or whatever, the sisters. It's so yeah. bad. So, you know, if that's that's like ten, nine or 10 years ap- after we did Beverly Hills 90210, right. whatever hip or unhip thing that seemed to have 90210, by the time we did the charm thing, it was that was nothing. It was nothing. We got paid. We were on TV. <laughs> right. 
You yeah, know, but it didn't. Wasn't but cult. didn't. Yeah. But it, that's not why that song got as popular as it did, or was it the other way around? Was was, was that they song asked already us after popular? The song had gotten popular. Yeah, yeah. I got it right. right. The song didn't become. Say, why, how would they know you guys? Because right, right. I get it. I, what are we talking about? Are we t- are, are there any guidelines for this conversation? Or are we just- no, no. Didn't they tell you there are no guidelines? No, I didn't hear. I anything, was told so. that specifically there was no guidelines and to talk to you only about. Well, the only guy, the only guideline I got was somehow bring up Darren Star TV shows, um, and so we're we're, half, not, we're most the way there. I mean, we're what else can there. we talk and about? And then, by the way, I was on a Darren Star TV show. That's the, I just remembered that as I said those words, I realized. Um, wait, hold on, hold on. Now I'm having a freak out that Darren Starr didn't do those shows. Did he do those but, shows? Darren, I thought right? so. Yeah, the, he did Sex in the City, but I was thinking of him as Sex in the City because that's how I met him. No, as no, the guy no. I thought it was in, it was Tori Spelling's dad, Aaron Spelling, did Nano Two One Zero. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But 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 he he was the executive producer. Oh, but I, mean, I the see actual, the executive producer. Because yeah. because Darren was doing a show, created the show. Well, was executive producing the show called The Street, which I was on, which was supposed to be like the male Sex in the City, and that's when I moved to New York. When I really moved to New York before nine oh. eleven, um, before I met you, oh. um, and that show was just a you know was a failure, like every t- <laughs> television show I've ever been on as a, as a series regular, and. Um, but he, Darren, was doing another show in Los Angeles for the CW about a, Mel- a Melrose Place type show that was like a parody of the or whatever, like a behind the scenes making of a show like that. Anyway, all what at the end of the day, what can I tell you? I've been to Darren Starr's beach house in the Hamptons. Like that's at the that's all you need to know. That's that's up there as far as uh, yeah. if you had, I guess, interesting stories about being. Famous or meeting famous people—that would kind of be. No, that, I don't think I would even have remembered that had I had we not been discussing this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to call me out on that. Yeah, fucking like, <laughs> Aaron Star. Yeah, get, no, yeah. no. I mean, I think we those would be. There's a, some good Chris Walken stories. I think that would probably take precedent. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, of which I none of which I can really probably divulge. <laughs> well, you had didn't you have the. I'm confusing. Oh no, I'm confusing my uh, celebrity friends. You're a celebrity uh, friend, Adam. Oh. You're a celebrity friend. Yeah, I know who you're confusing me with. You're probably confusing me with Natasha's boyfriend. <laughs> Who's right? Natasha's boyfriend? You know, my ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. Oh, Fr- Fred Armisen, right? Yeah. That's right. He's w- he's with Na- Natasha now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not confusing you with him. I thought you had a walking in. Person. What's funny is, is remember when Natasha asked me if about like if you were single. I'm telling you, it was about Cliff, not me. That's it wasn't Cliff, dude. She, <laughs> you, you you were known as the drummer. Cliff Cliff wasn't known as the drummer at that point. It okay. was just that Cliff was drumming. If you went to go see you play live. Right. But you're known as the drummer. That, like, I mean, I know you don't. I mean, we can actually let's discuss that. Okay, that's, that's actually here. Here's a good pivot point. That um, is a great pivot point. Let's talk about is, right? me for a little while. No, no, seriously though, because I is that like a thing that bugged you being known as the drummer? Because 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 you were a multi instrumentalist and instrumental in the makings of these songs and 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 uh you know in a fundamental way. Uh, Not the drummers can't. No, be, I mean but, you know. it just sounds like I'm making a joke, but my ego has been pretty pretty destroyed over the last many years. At least that's what I think. You know? <laughs> um, I just think there's confusion because you know when I was in the band for the first several years, I was, you know, the guy that played drums when you came to see the band. So right, right, right. I, I understand right. that. You know, I still you'll see listings places where it says drummer. 
and will say my name, and I'm like, okay, well, even though there are two right. other drummers in the group, you know, um, I think it's just yeah. too complicated for people to try to to try to. I put know people in need categories. to have one. People need to have one definition. Yeah, I mean, in, in, a, in a weird way, we're in somewhat similar situations. I mean, I'm obviously, if I'm known as anything, it's an actor, and yeah. then there are these other things which I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes difficult for people to sort of. Uh, they ha- it's just much easier for people to compartmentalize. I mean, you do so many things. You you act in movies. You write mm-hmm. you write stuff. You've made a mm-hmm. movie or two. Um, mm-hmm. You are a photographer of. You're a pretty serious photographer. I wouldn't say you take yourself too seriously, but you're you put you. I'm serious about you, it. Yeah. Okay, you create a lot of stuff and a lot of. I make of, shit. I make shit. Yeah, you're you're an artist in that sense. You really do a lot of. Creating, I, want, I, so. want, I like making stuff. Yeah, I wish I wish I didn't. You know, I wish I wish that I didn't. Well, I wish I didn't want to. I think it's really more what I'm trying to say. You should. That's wish, just. You shouldn't say that. That's no. Just, I know. I know. Now you're sound like my cognitive behavioral therapist. I know. I'm not supposed to say stuff like that. Um, <laughs> right. But you know what I mean. Wouldn't it be nice just to like have like this just this one thing, and like that's what you do, and you're like really good at it. I mean, you're basically like that, except that you do a lot of those things like really, really well. Like you're really amazing at every single instrument you play. Whereas I can comp a bunch of takes together, and then go out and snap a picture. Right, right. Uh, well, <laughs> I see. I, I disagree. I wish that it, I want to say right, but I, every time I write something, I read it six months later. I'm like, well, I can't write, so I'm not going to write. So, well, you always had a thing because you you like the well, you're fu- okay. First of all, you're fine. I was about to say <laughs> this is what I was going to say. You like the humor world. That's literally what was going to come out of my mouth, as though that mean, means anything. Um, <laughs> I like things that are funny. See, I know, you and like that's to why laugh. I'm surprised we can be friends because I like things that are funny. No, exactly, exactly. No, you're no, one of the funniest people but, I know. But, but you're, yeah. but but you. You talked about like how that's like a world that you wish that you kind of were actively creative in, right? I mean, for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, and I, I think that you fa- could be. Yeah, it's because fascinating. Be, it's yeah, but but you're but literally when we have spent hours and hours and hours together, we've laughed the entire. I mean, whatever. Not that not that us making each other laugh is the criteria for someone going into that as a career or something, but right. but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, the point is is that. Um, that that is a whole part of you. I mean, you're you, you're an incredible. I mean, it, it's like if someone were to listen just to the music that you made, I don't think that they would say, "Oh, that that guy must have a really silly sense of humor." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Although there is something to that, you know. Right, right. Um, and so it's just interesting how how you know again how I think how it's just so easy to kind of compartmentalize. People and I don't think there's I don't think anybody is really you know some people are going to be more I suppose diversified in the things that they maybe do to pursue a living but that doesn't mean that they're not actually you know um, these totally you know well-rounded interesting complex people that that are constantly sort of put into boxes um, whether or not you're a creative person or not even if you're just you know someone who you know has a job at a at an office or whatever but that's not what defines who that human being is you know but sometimes it makes you feel like it, it does cuz that's where you're spending most of your fucking time mm-hmm. you know behind a desk you know i don't know what i'm getting at but i'm i'm well i mean I'm when you to when feel you talk depressed when you, when you have to do like say official press or whatever or you're trying to do official press or you're trying to promote something like your record or whatever you're working mm-hmm. on i mean do you think people are aware that you do all these things kind of equally it's just that you are professionally known more as being in the movie world than, say, right. for photography. But you probably could release 
You probably well, that's could what I'm doing. A, a that, book that's, of uh, photography, and then we, that's what I'm work. doing with this record. I mean, to be honest, this record—I don't know if this record is a book that has LPs in it, or if it's an LP that has a book uh, in it, because it was always conceived not in some conceptual way, not in a, not in a, uh, you know, uh, the lamb lays down on Broadway kind of way. Right, right. But, but the idea was is that I didn't want to go about this the same way I had done, you know, these other records where you know you. You make the record, you you know, you hire a publicist or you get a label or whatever, you know, either. And um, you're trying to you make hit it, up the same you're people. You're trying to make it more of a thing. You want to make it's it more a th- of a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because it's it's like, why not? I mean, the, my whole point is, is I'm gonna I lose money on this shit no matter what I do. You know, it's not. I don't know how at this point to make a living doing this. However, the point is, is that I actually think if you do what you really love to do and you kind of ignore the rules, you'll actually find that you're by act, sort of accidentally commodifying um, the things that you're most passionate about. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, in this case, it's going to. I'm making this photography book or whatever. I have a better chance of probably physically selling that product and doing an exhibition of the photography and selling those prints than I do of someone going to Spotify and listening to this, you know, record. Um, that's, that's a good uh, point. Mm-hmm. And and even if it's 500 people, if those 500 people are like really excited to own and interact with that piece, then that to me is is um, it kind of makes it completely worth it, and it doesn't feel like you're just sort of dropping this like weird digital you know pebble into this just, just like vast you know internet ocean. Absolutely. Um, and then on top of that, you're making something that could be absolutely unique in that. Say, do you know of any other? I can't think of any off the top of my head where it's a lo- it's a musical. Not a lot. It's, yeah, it's a it's a it's a musical thing where there, whether it be a compact disc or a piece of vinyl or an eight track tape or reel to reel or whatever it is that exists with like a book of photography. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I honestly Googled it a lot because we've been looking for templates just literally to design it, and I've had an incredibly hard time doing that. And so, you know, I've been working with different talking with different people um, about how to go about just quite literally packaging the thing. And it's not like there's just some template sitting around for that. So, you know, uh, you know, there's not, but yeah. the idea, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to be unique or whatever. It's just that I have a lot to say and I might as well sort of, and, and the music and the photography thing is sort of, sort of, I don't know, I feel like it, it kind of exercises similar muscles and honestly consumes much more of my creative imagination and space and actual physical time than my acting does the acting stuff you can do three months out of the year, six months out of the year, and you know if you're if it's a decent enough job you can you know you can kind of make your way through the year, and then blow all that money on making the record and, and spending an insane amount on expired f- film and large format cameras. <laughs> but uh, you know I, I keep talking about other people defining you and how difficult it is to have other people define and pigeonhole you. But the truth of the matter is I do that to myself. Like I want there to be a name for what it is. Like when I grew up, I was half Jewish. I wanted to just be either Jewish or Catholic. But being both or being, I mean, I wasn't Catholic, but my mother was brought up Catholic. So being half whatever, (laughs) Gentile and half Jewish, it's like I just wanted to own one of them. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and have something that was just easily identifiable because I felt so confused, you know, like who who was I? This like kind of like this this kind of weird creature in Los Angeles, and I didn't feel I belonged here, and blah blah blah. blah. So anyway, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is it's cool to be the drummer. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for whittling down my <laughs> my hopes and dreams into just. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, when I was yeah. a little kid, you know, my, my my first thing wasn't being a drummer. I just wanted to be in Kiss, you know, and I didn't know what it oh, was. Oh, you wanted to be in Kiss? When I was like seven. <laughs> when I was seven years old, I wanted to be in Kiss. And then Why my dad, Kiss? It's just such a different, like, all these guys were into that, and I guess I just wasn't. Like, I was, at seven years old, I was like into... You were watching Peter Bogdanovich movies, I know, so... <laughs> <laughs> Listening seven. to Velvet Underground records, I know. Not I know. Seven, no, I wasn't that cool. I was like into Greece. Um, well, that's that's that says a lot right there. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's cool. I was into Greece too, but not like I was into Kiss. I mean, I loved that. I, I've seen Greece at least thirty times, whatever. But yeah, I, did you like? I don't. What What did you like about Greece so much? I don't know, man. I it's just almost it as cartoonish as Kiss in some ways, you know. But. Oh yeah, no, I went right out and I bought Greece. I bought some like um, it wasn't Murray's, but it was uh, like Royal something jelly hair bomb. Oh, was um, it? Oh, what was that called? I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, it was yeah. in the Royal Crown. Royal no, Crown was what it was called. Royal Crown, right? It was in a red tin. It was a red and tin I, with a tin top, and it was really, really right. greasy. That's yeah. right. And I greased the shit out of my hair, and I got out on my bicycle. And I rode down the street. I think I had a dorky triangular orange radio, okay, on my <laughs> yeah. bicycle. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, I used the only memory I actually have of singing to a song on that bicycle is "Reunited." <laughs> hey, I love peaches and herbs. <laughs> no, Reunited. so do I. All yeah. this shit came around later on, where I was like, all this shit that I thought was like totally embarrassing, and I didn't want to like obviously like. Talk about my totally biz- funky, you know, taste and my parents' music when I was like, you know, nine years old. Like, of course, is now the music I want to make, you know. Um, well, and you but, thought, man, I can't really tell anybody about this, and then turns out thousands of people thought the same thing. So <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever, I know. But but um, but let's, let me go but back the to idea Kiss. Of this little Here, kid. Dr- here's yeah, go here, on, go on. The bummer about Kiss is that they've done so much since that time that's so awful. Right, that the right. cool kiss is such a small little crumb in their whole big existence. It is. It's like the dazed and confused kiss. It's like, like I didn't like. <laughs> no, but I mean, right? It's like whatever. What? What? What's? What song was in that movie? Um, Rock and roll all night, probably. School's out. Oh, school's out by Alice Cooper. That's Alice Cooper. Oh, that's Alice Cooper. See, that goes to show you, like my my. Oh, no, it's fucking, no more Mr. Nice Guys. And no in more Mr. Nice Guy. Right. Yeah. Alice Cooper. Yeah. Great right. song. Um. Anyway, the point is, is that like I I only got that there was Cool Kiss like much later on, like in the night, like when I was listening to whatever alt alt rock and had alt rock pals, and they're yeah. all like g- going back and listening to this. I mean, they I grew up around these guys listening to all that shit. I just was like, I don't get it, and they like Heshers and all that. They all they all scared me. Yeah, I know, and that and that's horrible, and I hated that because I, I experienced that in junior high and high school too. I mean, I I had to yeah. hide the fact that I liked Culture Club because I'd get my ass beat. Oh but, yeah, totally. No, but I mean, Pink. But Fo- when like, you're I seven, even... everyone loved Kiss, and you could dress up right, like right. Kiss. And if you go back, I guess I remember was, that. I guess I remember that. Well, that's I think why they I wanted freaked to do me it out first, a little yeah. bit, though. I it think they scared me. I had two older brothers, though. So. Oh right, yeah. I didn't. I was an only child, and you know, no, I was very lonely. I'm um, so sorry. I'm so okay. sorry. I'm glad you finally found your sister, though. That's great. So, I know, cool, right? I mean, found your sister just, and uh, yeah, and that yeah. Up. So now that's that's it's like what's like uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna be on the Oprah network and, and reunite. Um, <laughs> but, no, but, but I wanted uh, to be in Kiss, and then I got a little. My dad bought me a snare drum and a bass drum and a cymbal. And after mm-hmm. just a little bit of playing, that I realized, well, I can, I can, I think I can do this, even though I can't mm-hmm. really play guitar. I can do this, and so that's that's one thing led to another, and. I didn't. Okay, I but like I was 11 when I got my first Remo five piece um, drum kit. Yeah. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. I knew exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That was like a little white kit 
Um, how come I didn't end up being a really good drummer? <laughs> I don't. I sat in Commi- my living hey, room and I, I drummed all day you. long. I'm going to quote you: "Commitment to craft." <laughs> Commitment to craft. Do you remember that? that? I used to say that to you, like what? After you'd have to do a second take of like some incredibly complex vocal harmony you were doing. No, no, it was when we were doing Christmas on Mars. Oh, right. When I would do a take. And you've got like right. this three minute speech, and all I have to do is nod and go, yes. And I yawn. <laughs> I yawn in the middle of it, and you're like, dude. <laughs> First of all, I memorized my lines. Second of all, I emoted something, and you're sitting there with this blank stare, and then you actually yawn in the middle of it. And Wayne's like, that's oh, cool, it's okay, it's a take. And you're like, he yawned. And Wayne's like, now we're moving on. I'm like, okay. He's definitely, it's like the plan nine of outer space of indie rock, Christmas, Mar- Martian space Where, where does that film live in the lexicon of, of like, like and, and, and and even like your and even the flaming lips culture like i always think of that as as like like i i'm like proud of having been a part of that but i don't know really know where it lives in in, in that culture i just know that it was like a fucking cool thing uh, we don't really talk about it much anymore uh, no <laughs> yeah. um, but i mean like are, are are there people who are like really into it like did it oh did yeah it, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We talk we run into people all the time that are just like we watch that movie every christmas and i'm like really Cool. Every Christmas, it's like they have to watch it on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even Wayne's like, oh, that's cool, you know. And then I remember I was on IFC like three Christmases in a row, and I was like, wow, this is wild. You oh, know? shit, man. That's probably more times than I've been in any other movie on IFC is in your movie. <laughs> that's fucking sad, really, is what that is. No, it is a um, weird, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Ed Wood and, and David Lynch and something else, and I yeah. don't know, it's just a weird. No, it was amazing, and, and probably the worst continuity in the history of movies like worse than I, I always used to say before that yeah you <laughs> that see you're, you see me gain 30 pounds in like seven <laughs> minutes of the film I mean it's so it's you know uh, I don't um, know it's, because it's, I love it though yeah <laughs> yeah are you kidding no that's more like it's like a, it's a it's a fucking whatever it's a cultural document at this point it's 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 as much a documentary as it is anything right because it's covered so many seasons in your kind of like yeah I remember someone wrote career. like we see we see drugs ravage Stephen Droz and then him get off drugs and gain 30 pounds <laughs> right, in the course right, of what right, 15 right. minutes in this film. yeah I know it's like it's like the document it's like Fearless Freaks except <laughs> except yeah. without having to watch all of Fearless Freaks oh my god um, yeah that's which is also a goddamn good rock documentary I have to say I haven't seen that in a while I don't I don't know I haven't really I don't god it I, seems like can we talk about how well, let's see. You and I have known each other what 15, 15 years now. That's Jesus. I was going to say twelve because I thought it was twenty fifteen, but you're right. It's twenty eighteen. It is twenty eighteen. I'd like to go back oh. to twenty fifteen, but we can't do that now. Why? We don't have the technology. We don't have the technology. I, you know, people. This whole Instagram thing was. Uh, sorry, the Facebook. <laughs> ah, some kind of Freudian <laughs> slip. This whole Facebook thing was happening, and I've been wanting to get off of it for about six months, and I finally did it. And I feel a lot better, even though I hadn't really been on it, you know. But, I know. Uh, I well, I wanted to get off it because I just wasn't using it, and I never really liked it, and I didn't even get it when I had it. Like I, I just was never one of those things where I like, like tweet. Like I really like caught on to Twitter. Yeah. Instagram made sense to me ultimately, even though in the beginning I was annoyed by all these photo filters. But Facebook, I just found totally non-intuitive. It wasn't like I was being judgy about it. I just couldn't crack it. I didn't mm-hmm. get it. I couldn't see how to communicate with people well. 
It's the the feeds seemed like they were a mess. I didn't. The back end was confusing as hell, and um, and uh, I just I like, just I, yeah. It just seemed like a quagmire. And then I kept trying to do creative things with it. And I was like, just this just isn't the place for it, you know. Um, no, if you want to share it, like a prayer with uh, someone, a relative or something, you can do that. But anything right, you know, right, yeah, difficult. you know, yeah, my cat died. Thumbs up. Um, it's yeah. I mean, and people are like, dude, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. I'm like, I know, but I still feel good about just cutting that loose. And I just no, no, I know, I, I, no. We're all. It's look. The information is the information, and like, I don't like the fact that I Google something and five minutes later I'm on Instagram. And I literally, the chair I Googled is being fucking sold to me on Instagram. I mean, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, but at the same time, you know, at least I, I just, I, I, it's just an unnecessary complication. The, the, I was, the I was thing. resistant to log into Google Maps like as my my Gmail yeah, person, right. myself, Gmail self. And I finally did, and now I'm like, tell us about your experience being parked at such and such and such street. Oh, I'm like, Jesus oh my god, it's Christ. not your place of business. It was, I was parked <laughs> somewhere, and they're asking me to review where I parked. It's, <laughs> it's frightening. I mean, it's frightening. You should but, review where you parked though. Seriously, how was your how was your experience at like twenty nine fifty three? It it was pretty good, but I couldn't tell. I was I felt like I was like a few inches into the red, but it's hard to tell. They have to repaint <laughs> that part of the sidewalk so they can really clear delineate the red from the white. I mean, this is a problem I encounter often. I was harassed by a drifter at this location. Don't yeah, <laughs> right. bad review, scathing right, right. Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> I was harassed by a drifter. Oh um, my God! Yeah, no, you you picked up a drifter to get an erection at that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, um, that- on a di- on a different note, but not really. Yeah. So yesterday we lost all of our internet and TV and you know uh, digital landline services or whatever, and mm-hmm. it felt like the world had come to an end. It just the kids. Well, we had moved to play on Saturday. Yeah. No, no, we haven't had internet. We haven't had TV. But we've had, okay, this is, it's so stupid because I have had that because I, I've just been using my phone as a hotspot. So I've totally had that. That's you can rough. listen to the news on, the, on, 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 your, on your phone and you can pretty much do anything. I don't know who I'm kidding. But even that amount of, of, of being in like the weird, you know, sort of like a digital, uh, you know, graveyard or whatever is, is uh, or desert is just so fucking weird feeling, man. I have a, I have a problem. Like I've been talking to my shrink about it. It's, it's it's a pro- like he wants me to keep my phone in a different room and shit, you know. Well, that makes like, that makes sense. You know, there are, I, there are guidelines they say you should live by. You know, don't look at your phone screen for like forty five minutes before you go to sleep. Stuff like that. You know. Yeah. yeah. We did we did oh, take a vacation to close to the Ozarks last year, and we didn't have did any you? electronics for about four days, and actually it was enjoyable. Once we the kids and us knew that we we were actually doing that, it wasn't an accident. We kind of right. planned for it, and it was right. it was kind of pleasant, you know. But it is home. pleasant. Yeah. I mean, but what did we used to do? I mean, because we were, here's the thing. It's like you and I were the same age and we were into uh, all kinds of crazy bits of pop culture or mm-hmm. not crazy. We were purveyors of pop culture before there was a really super accessible way of doing it. Like you'd literally have to go to the, the Museum of Television, like no joke. Like if you wanted to see like an old I Love Lucy episode or whatever. Three's so, Company or something, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, there were, um, and so what the fuck did we do? We seemed fine, weren't we fine? Well, we, we, we were. I, I think you just created a lot more stuff for yourself to do, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I did, this sounds so just, I don't know, lame to say, but yeah, I, I read a lot. I'm sure you read a lot. I listened to a lot of cassettes and eight tracks before that and records. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I would sit and 
even if I didn't have a drum set, I would just sit there and drum on my bed for a couple hours, and that would be entertaining to me. So you know, yeah, I don't, no, I, don't I know. know, I right. Although I guess even as a kid, I watched too much. Like that just reminded me of of sitting um, in front of MTV when it first came on and uh, drumming to to dr- drumming on the couch to every single song. But for some reason, all I can think of right now is George Thorogood's "Bad to the Bone." <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Well, All right, maybe, like, listen, Stephen. Um, maybe there'll be a part I'll, two of this. Maybe we can do a part two, like I a second. I think we have part two and three in this already. Maybe not. Th- maybe we I could think do there already a- is a built-in part two and three. I think we did three parts. I think this was a podcast in three acts. <laughs> They're like, well, we'll see, guys. Uh, we're thinking it's got about seven minutes worth of uh, <laughs> valuable, usable, valuable, usable stuff. I, I would like, can I just add though that I, before anybody else tells me, so I do know that I was talking over Stephen a lot. It's not only a problem that I have, <laughs> it's just that I get nervous that there's not going to be enough material and so that I frantically feel like I need to fill the space. I, just now having said that, um, I, I feel I, like I can, we can part ways. I think we've both become comfortable with that relationship over the years. So, <laughs> my domineering. Like you, I remember you'd pick me up at the airport or whatever if I first blew into town when you had more time on your hands, you know. Yeah. And I'd jump in the. What was your big cruiser car? What was? Oh that? well, I had so many. Uh, the Marauder, the cop car. maybe. The Marauder. Well, I had yeah. a Marauder, and then before that, a Crown Vic. Yeah. Crown, <laughs> Crown Victoria. Yeah. And you'd pick <laughs> me up, and you'd be chain smoking, and you'd just go right into all the troubles, you know, that was that were happening. <laughs> That was always a wonderful time. So. Well, it's because I don't talk to you that much, so I feel like I got to download you, and then it's like a compulsive need to download everything, <laughs> right. and then I feel that like we can go on and enjoy our day in a more, you know, co- cohabitive sort of way. Do you know yeah, what I mean? more give and take after the first yeah. flurry of just complete insanity. <laughs> Yeah, Not insanity, but yeah, no. Oh no, no. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really reflect on that. I feel, I'm sorry. Well, I love you. I'm glad we got a chance to talk. For I love a while. you too. I want to see you in person, obviously, but we'll deal with that. We will at a, at a later juncture. And on that note, um, yeah, I um, uh, give a big hug to Bex and and kiss and uh, hug and kiss your kids, but not in a weird way because they don't know me that well, and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. I was gonna worry, but. <laughs> All right, well, love to Roxanne and Bud, and keep up the good work. Thank you, pal. You too. I miss you. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, buddy. Okay, bye. Stephen Drozd, Adam Goldberg, on the TalkHouse podcast, Crushing It. Crushing It. Thanks so much to Dan Epstein for recording Stephen in Oklahoma City. And Gideon Brower for recording Adam in LA. Shouts to our co-producer, Mark Yoshizumi. The man behind the boards who makes us who we are. If you enjoyed today's episode, which I, I know you did. I'm guessing you did. You're still here. You're still here. You did it. Uh, go check out Stephen Rose writing about dirty beaches on talkhouse.com. Also, make sure to check out Wayne Coyne, frontman of the Flaming Lips, in conversation with the legendary hip-hop producer, Prince Paul. You can watch the full video of that talk over on our YouTube channel. Go check out all of our destinations, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, and like you said, YouTube, and, and of course, TalkHouse.com, where it's just like daily written goodness from so many of our contributors. Make sure to subscribe to the TalkHouse podcast to catch upcoming episodes, including Broad City's Abby Jacobson in conversation with Samantha Irby, and just recorded at a live event at Rough Trade in London, The Raincoats and Proto Martyr in conversation. Can't wait for those. Till then, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. Peace.